Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Touchdown, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! Can you believe it? Gamecocks have won this game! You are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. I'll watch him celebrate now! Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell him, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. All right, greetings and good afternoon and welcome aboard and welcome home. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndo Co., the barndominiumco.com, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot if you live in Tennessee, Georgia, or the Carolinas. Sinorama, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock football, basketball, baseball, and Gamecock athletics in general, make sure you head to signorama.com. You can find Matt Vaughn's fine team in West Columbia, and they can do work for you anywhere in the state. Any sign you need, home, business, car, whatever it may be, signorama.com. JC, JB, and Phil, we're here until 2 o'clock today, uh, starting an hour late because Shane Beamer met with the media and he just wrapped up literally just a couple of minutes ago. And so we will. We backed up our programming to make sure that we could uh, fuss and discuss what he had to say or didn't say, and we'll take you until the 2 o'clock hour this afternoon, so we hope that you'll all hang around here with us. We'll get to a little bit of uh, some recruiting stuff later on. It's good news for the Gamecocks. That's the thing. I think Shane mentioned this earlier this morning. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Everybody, enjoy your summer. Slow your roll. It'll all be okay. Just relax. Um, We do have Chris Phillips coming up. As well, I want to make sure I give him some credit, too. I have uh, seen him multiple times this week asking questions, and he has done a nice job. Um, and uh, so I want to make sure I give it. Regardless what any of you think of Chris, that's fine. But credit where credit is due, uh, he's done a nice job there at uh, SEC Media Days. Uh, Lane Kiffin, by the way, very vocal this morning on NIL, and he is spot on, and I don't blame him. And I'm glad that somebody – like Lane Kiffin, who does have a voice that people will pay attention to, had the you-know-whats to get up there and say what he felt like saying uh, because he's he's not off, man. There's a lot of things that are wrong that need to get fixed, and maybe at some point in town, down the road they can do that. So we'll get to some of that coming up here in just a little while as well. But, guys, now that Coach Beamer has wrapped up, he's been making the rounds all morning. I think he's still got one more stop to get to. Nothing earth-shattering will come out of that when he's sitting on set fussing and discussing with Alyssa and Greg and them. But um, 
But I, I, you know, not not a ton to take away. I'll only say this, JC and Phil, and then I'll shut up and let y'all respond. I, I, I cannot. I just cannot believe we are three years, three years removed from when he was hired as the head football coach, and there's still somebody who wants to stand up in that room and ask him about being a head coach without being an offensive or defensive coordinator first. <laughs> And I thought that he answered the question remarkably well. I mean, he went on, he said he was better prepared being a special teams coordinator. Oh, by the way, being a special teams coordinator is being a coordinator because he had to coach and build relationships across all position groups. And I thought it was a great answer, and he's really not wrong about that. But we're three years removed from him and what he's done at South Carolina. And that's the first question that he took. It's just amazing. It's like, do you even pay attention? Do you do you just show up and roll the dice? Do you do any homework? Nah, uh, not that guy. But uh, nonetheless, um, a good appearance from Coach Beamer, and then he'll hop on the plane in a couple of hours and head home with uh, Tonka Hemingway, Spencer Rattler, and Kai Kroger, who, by the way, hats off to Steve Fink in the media guide pronunciations. Kai Kroger. You know, usually we'll show you how to pronunciate it to the right. It says Kai Kroger. You look to the right, it says rhymes with sky. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, coach. I think That's he's right. ready for football season. What's up, guys? <laughs> Doing well. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, and, and even in today's game, it's hard to think that, you know, people just forget about that third phase of the game. Which is fine. Let them keep forgetting about it. I hope all the coaches in the SEC forget about it because you know one guy isn't. <laughs> Always yeah. going to produce a quality special team. <laughs> I couldn't believe the coordinator question. I've, I've gone on rants about this uh, over and over again. Uh, it is truly unbelievable. I think I, I went through the last 50 years of college football and I counted 15 national championships, one by head coaches who were never coordinators. Right. Um, I think you could throw Joe Paterno on there, too. That's 17. I think he won two at Penn State, right? Uh, in, in the last few years alone, there are three guys. I can't make, maybe, sorry, count them four. Well, three that have won a combined six this decade that were never coordinators. Uh, that would be Urban Meyer. Well, not the last two decades. Urban Meyer. Um <laughs> Uh, Urban Meyer, uh, you know, Ed Orgeron, obviously, and Dabo Sweeney. Uh, Lou Holtz was never a coordinator, Hall of Fame head coach there. Uh, it just – Bear Bryant was never an off- offensive or defensive coordinator, the Bear. So – Well, neither was Dabo Sweeney. And uh, Yeah, I mentioned Dabo, yeah, Ed Orgeron, Urban oh, Meyer, sorry, never him. a coordinator. Yeah, I, I, Dabo uh, was I, celebrated. I Nobody, I don't even know if anybody ever asked him a question about that when he got hired. It was the dumbest narrative ever. I mean, it's just like, you know, being a – I've seen many, many talented, outstanding offensive and defensive coordinators that flat out fail uh, as head coaches. We live through and then one. I see, I, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of them out there. Uh, and then there's some that get it, but then there's some that, that don't. It, there's really no correlation between successful coordinator and successful head coach. None. Um, it's nice to look at because you're like, oh, man, 
this guy's going to bring in his offense and he's going to light up the scoreboard or, man, they're going to be really tough on defense or whatever. But, but as we found out, we just went through the last two coaches before Shane. One of them was arguably the best offensive mastermind in the history of college football. I, I recall a lot of low-scoring defensive struggles where the Gamecocks had to play ball control in one. Um, and then in the Will Muschamp era, uh, some of his best wins were like 48-44. <laughs> You know, the last game he coached was 59-42. Kevin Harris, I think, ran for about eight touchdowns in that one. But, uh, no, it was uh, – so so you don't always get that. There's no correlation between that. And um, I think being a head coach is being a head coach. And I think Shane's absolutely right when he talks about special teams. Special teams touches the whole roster. And you also have to be good at personnel and personnel evaluation because you don't get – like he said, you don't get the time. I thought he was about to say this. You also don't get the pick of players, depending on if the head coach emphasizes or not. And I know during the Spurrier era, you never had starters on special teams. I mean, it was always like walk-ons, oh, yeah. guys always. like that. That's one philosophy. Muschamp played more starters on his special teams, obviously. But, uh, you know, and, and I don't know that Carolina does the, the starter thing now, but you have to be able to evaluate your entire roster walk-ons and all. You have to be able to put guys in positions – uh, that aren't normal positions. In other words, like what's a gunner, you know, and who plays gunner? That's completely different than being a wide receiver or running back or corner or whoever. Your job is to kind of be a kamikaze guy that goes down the sidelines, you know. Uh, I think that uh, – I think he's right about that to a certain extent. Now, now, do all special teams coordinators make good head coaches? No. But I don't think it's true with defense or offense either, and I think it's a tired, worn-out question. What was it, a a Georgia blog or something that asked this question? Um, You know, uh, so I don't, you know, I don't put any stock into it at all. I think it's uh, it's it's borderline ridiculous that he's still getting those questions right now. I did think I did think the guy was professional with the way he asked it, but. why ask well, that? I mean, but, but between that and what was it the the, the last question or maybe the second oh, last question? He about stop. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Like, I, I, okay, I get it. You know, that guy's going to be writing a story and also Stogner. Clearly, that's why he wrote the. That's why he asked the question. I get it, but like, you know, it's and that's that's what these guys go through. They know what to expect. I mean, you know, I you know, I saw Shane two days ago and, and mentioned to him and he kind of rolled his eyes about some of the things that he'll have to, you know, talk about when he's up there and they're all going to give you that same response. I will say this though, guys, he, he really has, um, he's become must see TV at this event. He has, and, and you could actually make the argument if you look at the schedule this week at media days, I mean, you go back to Monday and you had, you know, I, I would say Brian Kelly and, and Jimbo Fisher back to back was certainly uh, a couple of can- – I mean, you had Eli after that as well. But, I mean, what's Brian Kelly going to say? Certainly what was Jimbo going to say? We knew it was on the plate there. But Jimbo's always going to be a draw. You look at Tuesday, you know, Kirby, Hugh Freeze coming into the to the league and things like that. You look at Wednesday, you know, you never know what you're going to get out of Coach Saban. People love to hear Sam Pittman talk. But you could legitimately make a real argument that maybe the two or two of the top three or four most entertaining coaches at this event went back-to-back already this morning. Lane Kiffin and and Shane Beamer. Shane is, is you know, flamboyant. He's, he's energetic. He's going to get there and smile, and he's, gonna, he's always going to have some type of enthusiasm about him. Um, and then Lane is very monotone 
but he, boy, is he sneaky funny. And, and he knows how to just pretty much say what's on his mind in a way in which you just dismiss it as that is Lane Kiffin. But, you know, going back to Coach Beamer, you – I mean, we've been watching these things a long time, right? We, 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 we know what happens at media day. We know you're going to get ridiculous questions. We know that the SEC network feel that their job is to build up each and every one of these 14 programs and soon to be 16 programs – uh, and and make them look in the best light that they can possibly make them look. But however, with that said, there there is there seems to be a different synergy at times with, with Coach Beamer and his relationships that he has with these people. And uh, I'm talking about the media members that are actually working for the network that are covering him. And that is something that's really good for Carolina. I mean, he he's he's not shy of a camera. He's not scared to say something. Um, he knows generally what to say, and he knows how to make it a positive about South Carolina. He's very, as somebody I was talking to on the phone this, about this morning, uh, he's very cognizant of the fact of you never know who's watching and you never know who you're talking to. And um, and Shane, that, that's worked. That has worked in his career uh, as a coach, and it's certainly worked for him at, since he's been the head coach at the University of South Carolina. Yeah, he's a big relationships mm-hmm. guy. Big. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it speaks to, I mean, the big R word that's so important, especially when it's come to recruiting and things like that, relevance. You're bringing relevance back to the brand, which is good. Um, and you could t- I just like the way that, I mean, that he handles himself in front of the media and everything. I mean, everything he says, I feel like, especially in that, you know, in his opening statement, I, li- I love the self-deprecating. I love the, you know, kids, you know, get on to him and remind him, you know, to stay humble. But, you know, one of the things that wasn't lost on me in that opening statement is when he was talking about Travian Robertson coming from North Carolina, being a North Carolina player coming to South Carolina. Oh, and by the way, would like to help other guys from North Carolina find their way down to Columbia. So it's like everything he says is, you know, calculated and, pointed directly at I think different people when he speaks um and SEC media days for me really it's I feel like he's talking to everybody where generally in season I feel like coaches press conferences are geared more towards the team as the audience even though you're speaking to a group of reporters but it's what you want your team to ultimately hear well I, I actually into into back up what you're saying there you know coach coach Beamer said that this morning while he was on the set, I mean, he said, hey, look, you know, you, you just mentioned it a moment ago how, you know, the three of his kids kind of joked with him like, hey, last year you you said the second most of anybody in an opening statement. Maybe maybe tone it down a bit, Dad. Um, but, he, but he mentioned this morning with those guys, and, and it is something that we all need to probably understand and, and remind ourselves of when you hear these coaches. JC, I think you've mentioned this before back on, on – um, on my old show about about Nick Saban, a lot of times when Nick Saban is talking into a camera or in, into a microphone, he ain't talking to you. He's talking to his players. And and a lot of times when you ask him a question about his players, he ain't talking about them. It might sound like he is. He's talking to the fans. So, like, you know, Shane actually mentioned this morning, yeah, that you are when, – when you're in an environment like this, you're asked to be there and, and, and you have this opening statement and you're going to field questions. 
you know, his opening statement, there were going to be messages to the media. There are going to be messages to the fans, but there are also going to be messages to his program via what he says up there. They're all watching. You know, they're going to hear it. You know, if they're not watching, they're still going to hear it. Uh, and, and so he's able to send a message. Now, are we able to all interpret that? Well, unless we're all these A1 aliens everyone keeps talking about? No, we're not. But he knows how the, his guys will interpret a lot of the things that he says up there. And uh, and once again, I mean, you know, there wasn't any n- nothing earth shattering, of course, um, but um, but certainly uh, he is a guy that people pay attention to. And again, this year he brought his quarterback. And I think w- we've all figured out if you've been watching for the last four and a half hours, the the Nashville media has been itching to get its hands on Spencer Rattler as well. Yeah, it's a great. I, I thought it would be a good story. I mean, I think that's why Rattler was my answer. Um, also I've covered this event before and honestly, you know, by day four, you're like, ah, you know, oh yeah, and it's you're, time. you're kind of suffering for stories, especially like, like, let's say you're a Missouri beat reporter and, and you were there the first day and Eli's up like three days in the, in the back and there's going to be no breaking news. I mean, you may be looking for a nice little piece on an opponent that has a player that's well known, that's known beyond that school, um, and I think that's uh, that's part of it. Spencer Rattler was kind of a like a child star almost with the reality show he did, um, and we know that because we still talk about Drew Barrymore, right? We know those are very interesting. Uh, Arnold from different strokes. <laughs> Remember uh, Gary Coleman? Gary Coleman. R.I.P. <laughs> That's right. We talk, everybody loves Gary Coleman, man. He was, uh, you know, I mean, child stars. I mean, I learned the other day the guy that played young Forrest Gump, uh, the voice that Tom Hanks used for Forrest Gump, the one that went like this, was based on that kid. Because the director was like, you're going to have to get that kid talk to you. And Tom was like, being the actor he is, he's like, why don't I talk like him? That made the whole movie. Could you imagine if Forrest Gump had not talked like this? Right. It would have yeah, been a yeah. crappy, it would have been a very crappy movie. Very bad. Oh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so yeah. Um, child, my point about that is child stars, uh, guys that go on the scene early, are in, uh, the media loves to follow them, Good, whatever their intentions are. Spencer was the number one quarterback in the country. He had a reality show. They edited it and such that it looked like he showed his ass constantly. Uh, he, he they called him cocky, whatever. He lost his job. I think some people celebrated. Uh, he still stayed there with his team. He left. He came to Carolina. Struggled a little bit in games last year. Uh, and, and you could just feel the haters and doubters, you know, around mm-hmm. him. Uh, and then he turned it on, and uh, at the end, uh, really played really heroically against Notre Dame with like half his team missing. Uh, and, and I think that's a, that's an interesting story because it's been kind of a roller coaster. Here you go there. This guy was supposed to be this, then he was that, then he was this, then he was that. Uh, nobody talks about the fact in 2020 when he was lighting teams up, nobody played defense. That whole year. Right. Right. You know, and, and the Florida team he lit up in the Cotton Bowl had like 27 guys opt out. You know, nobody used that perspective. They 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 made him the number one pick over just well number one, just like Hertz and I mean just like uh, Kyler Murray and and Baker Mayfield and all the Oklahoma guys. And, and I just don't think I don't think he was quite there. And so their own narrative, which was false, you know, got shaken 
and that's a story. So uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not trying to kind of rant here, but uh, that's uh, that's kind of how I see Spencer and why I think he does get attention. I think he handles the media outstanding uh, yeah. and will continue to do so. Oh, I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think that he, he has been an incredible representative of the University of South Carolina, but um, he's represented himself very well. And and I loved his uh, – he was asked a question this morning by Brad Crawford, our friend Brad Crawford, you know, where do you rank yourself amongst the quarterbacks in the SEC? He said, at the top. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. He said, I think there's great quarterbacks in this league, but I'm confident in what I'm capable of doing. You know, there are, there are quarterbacks who uh, will take the very humble way out of that and saying, you know, I'm not going to get into things like that, but I certainly think that – you know, I, I'm a capable quarterback and blah, 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 and all these guys are really good, and they'll dance around how great this league is. I think it's important for a guy like Spencer Rattler, who we know has the talent. We know he has the talent. We've watched him do it here. We've watched him do it when he was a Heisman contender at Oklahoma. We've seen it. We know he's going to play in the NFL. How long is he going to play in the NFL? Nobody knows that, but we know he will play in the NFL. Um, but I think it's important for a guy like Spencer Rattler to be able to confidently say, no, I think I'm pretty good. And 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 that also sends – we were talking about messages a minute ago, and we'll hit a timeout because I know Chris is coming up in just about five minutes. But I but I think that also sends a message, um, you know, and that message, yet while the fans are going to jump on it and while media is going to jump on it and things like that, his his teammates are. You know, they, they, they work out with him. They see him. They, they, you know, they, they see what he does. And when they hear their quarterback saying, no, I think I'm pretty good. And they actually believe it because we know that they do. Like it'd be different if some, you know, joke of a quarterback who's never taken a snap was out there going, I think I'm the best one in the league. Well, you've never played, you know, like his teammates have watched him be the best quarterback in the SEC. You can, you can, and what I'm saying there is, like, when you go back to that specifically the Tennessee game last year, you saw this guy actually could be the best quarterback in the SEC. We saw that that night. So they've seen it out of him. And when he steps up and says something and answers a question boldly like that, guys like Juice Wells and Amarian Brown and Xavier Leggett, and, oh, I don't know, maybe the newcomers, you know, like Nick Harbour and others are looking at this going, my quarterback thinks he's the best one in the league. I'm going to help him get there. And that's that's great synergy when you go into a football season with an offense that was heavily scrutinized last year and is expecting to hopefully be much more consistent. And if they are, guess what? They're going to win games. And and I think that we all fall under that umbrella as well. All right, so it's 1226. We'll go ahead and hit a uh, quick timeout. I know when we come back we'll probably still have a minute or two before Chris gets in here, but he is in uh, Nashville uh, covering this, so we want to make sure that we're uh, on time with him to be respectful of his time. Uh, we will talk much more about SEC Media Days throughout the afternoon. JC does have some recruiting things to pass along, and if any of you missed the official release this morning from the Big Spur, the uh, it is out that Park Avenue and the Big Sp- and uh, excuse me uh, on the Big Spur Park Avenue and Carolina Rise have officially partnered. Uh, in the NIL landscape of things. We hope all of you saw the interview yesterday with Chase Belt. Uh, she is uh, phenomenal with Park Avenue. If you missed that and you're still wondering what is it and how does this all work, we're not going to explain all this again. So go back and watch the interview, please. And uh, and then you can ask questions from there. We'll ask Chris questions when we return. We're painted garnet and black by a couple of painters and teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. Inside the Gamecocks, the show returns in a moment. Welcome home. 
That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show garnet and black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox! You heard Evan Stone Gamecock fans 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com Oh, man <laughs> he just yeah it's great every time he gets me every time that smile way to go spence you did it again yep <laughs> you knocked it out of the park all right it's uh 12 31 welcome back to inside the game cox the show built by the barndo co the barndominiumco.com one of the nation's best builders as low as 160 dollars per square foot in the carolinas georgia or in Tennessee. A neat stat here, by the way. The SEC, 222-57 and 57 versus non-conference opponents over the last five seasons. This is an incredible record. 
for the best league in football. Chris Phillips with the Spurs Up Show joining us now, and uh, we're we're right on time and make sure we can be cognizant of his time. Before we ask any questions, I mentioned this earlier, Chris, uh, at the top of our our program. And for anybody, by the way, that's joining a little bit late, we just got on 30 minutes ago following Coach Beamer. So we will be here until 2 o'clock today. We're not going to cut you, cut you short. We'll just extend you a little bit, and we hope you'll stick around and do that. But I did mention earlier, and we all nodded our head in agreement and smile. Uh, you've done a really nice job this week uh, covering this event on behalf of uh, your business, the Spurs Up Show. So I wanted to applaud you for uh, – and, and you know how this thing goes. You've probably been following SEC Media Days for a long, long time. There are going to be some people that stand up and you wonder – what spaceship they dropped out of to to ask the questions that they decided were important that day. Uh, Yours have been uh, very uh, well-educated questions and very thought out, and I think all of these coaches have been happy to answer questions talking about actual football. So hats off to you. (laughs) JC, JB, Phil, first thing, appreciate you guys having me. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to rip my hair out, honestly, this morning listening to Lane Kiffin talk about NIL for about 30 minutes or so, uh, thinking to myself, this guy's got one of the best quarterback rooms in college football at the top storyline going into the season, and nobody wants to talk about it for whatever reason. But, uh, no, guys, listen, I appreciate the kind words, man. I'm just a dude that loves talking ball, and it's been a blast. It's been an exhilarating experience, and I'll say this is – as cool as it's been, and it has been, obviously, to it's been an adrenaline rush, truly, to ask these coaches and these players questions. You know, the biggest blessing of this week is the networking aspect and meeting so many people that I've done work with, done shows with, meeting them in person, having the opportunity to shake their hand and express gratitude for being willing to work with us and also meeting new people, you know what I mean, continue to expand the network as well. So it's been a blast all the way around and obviously was really happy to get the question out there to Shane Beamer and you know, again, talk about the on-field football things that matter. And I feel like at least question marks that we have, which I would say run defense is something we all want to talk about, right? So, and I thought Coach Beamer, as you would expect, did a fantastic job on the podium, which I know we'll talk about right now. But uh, it's been a fun week, guys, for sure. And, again, I, I can't say thank you enough for the kind words. Can Can I ask a quick question, guys, mm-hmm. JC, Phil, before you ask one? Are you are you, uh, are you sitting in a stall in the bathroom? Did you had to find a quiet corner in the hotel. <laughs> have you been holding it yeah, a while? No, so yeah, this is. Uh, I'm in a. I'm in a. I'm in a booth up here. I'm in. A, yeah, I'm in a booth. Yeah. So this is like, a, yeah. Ten years ago, would have been this, a phone though, booth. It's, yeah, it's a. You know, it's the fun thing is though, guys. It's it's a raucous environment in here because everybody's doing sort of the same thing that I'm doing right yeah. now, right? Talking to different people, creating content. So you don't feel quite as weird as like when you're in a a public space and I'm trying to do say like a post game reaction or some video. And I'm like, people are going to look at me like I'm a crazy person. So it's uh, it's kind of socially acceptable here, but yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I just didn't know if you, if you were in the handicap stall or, or no, what was no. going so on. We're, we're, we're right. in a boat actually right outside of where they're serving lunch. Guys. The spreads this week. They've been a highlight. I hadn't mentioned they've been fantastic. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's on the menu today, but I'm sure it's something, something good. I'm sure, as long as it didn't have mushrooms in it. Um, before yeah. we get to Coach Beamer, I uh, you just spoke with Tonka Hemingway. I think you. I didn't get a chance to listen to it, uh, so this will be news to me. But I, I know you put it on social media. You asked him about now playing for Travian Robertson. What did he have to say about that? Yeah, so just got some quick quick hitters from him. Um, you know, McCord, like you mentioned, mentioned Travian Robertson. He said he loves Travian thus far and what he's brought to the defense, the defensive line, and just kind of a an attitude shift for those guys in there. Didn't really go into details, obviously, but, you know, said early signs are so far so good. And, you know, they love Travian and playing for him. And, 
you know, I think, guys, we all believe, obviously, there's going to be a positive impact felt from that. But, you know, talking Hemingway, and he's such a he's such a big personality. He's so happy to be here, right? He's just grateful for the opportunity. So it was great to talk with Tonka. But really excited about Coach Robertson. Uh, again, seems excited to play for him. Then I, then I asked him about, you know, just Williams-Brice Stadium and, and comparing that to some of the other uh, atmospheres he's been in in the SEC. And big smile came to his face, just said, you know, uh, and he's such a great kid, too, you know, talking about walking out in Sandstorm and playing for the kids and being a role model, which is who we do it for, is what he said. It was really cool. So Tonka's a stand-up guy, as our guy Kroger and Spencer Rattler, who they brought to SEC Media Day. So. All right, so Coach Coach Beamer, um, Chris, I, I got to spend some time with him a couple of days ago, and he's as, he's as fired up as – you would imagine, and I know you've seen him dancing around there today. They kind of blow into town, make the rounds, and blow out of town. But um, <laughs> in in watching him prior to his appearance on the podium in front of the country on SEC Network, uh, what did you observe as he as he made his way uh, through the me- through the media rooms, down the hallways, the the reception he was getting? What, what did you see up there? Well, Shane's a guy I think, guys, he's confident about his football team. He's excited about his football team. And he, he lives with that chip on his shoulder. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that he's a competitor. And he knows there's question marks out there. He knows there's turnover. You know, he mentioned numerous times they've got 38 new players on this football team who were not on the roster for the Clemson game. So that gives a little bit of perspective. You know, one of the things, too, guys, that jumped out to me was the fact that he mentioned, I know this was in the main media room you're talking about this morning, but you know, mentioning the amount of freshmen that are going to play on this team. And he talked about this as a young football team. And I think back, guys, to when he was at South Carolina, and we talk about, you know, what made the Gamecocks successful, his first stint in Columbia under Steve Spurrier. And you mentioned the line of scrimmage you mentioned. But young players stepping up and emerging as true freshmen. I mean, think about all the true freshman impact, guys, during Steve Spurrier's tenure. Alshon Jeffrey, Stephon Gilmore, Marcus Lattimore, Jadavion Clowney. Like, these are dudes that – they sold out on recruiting, right? They made them a priority. And when they got to campus, they made immediate impacts. And I think there's a couple of guys on this roster they're leaning on in that way, right? A Lenora Sellers, a Nick Harbour, a Marquis Anderson, a Desmond Umiazulu, the list goes on, uh, a Pup Howard, the list goes on and on. So, um, I, you know, I think Shane Beamer's confident. I think he's excited. Obviously, he's a fan favorite. He's a media favorite. And, um, but I think he's got that chip on his shoulder. He knows that they've got a long way to go. While they've done a lot, they got a lot to prove. And, you know, that was the energy I, I got from him this morning. Yeah, I, you mentioned being a media favorite. We talked about this a little while ago, uh, and Gene Sapikoff wrote a column about this today in the Post and Courier and the fact that the SEC Media Days needed Shane Beamer today to kind of walk in and pick up the pace a little bit. Did, did that? Does that? Would you describe it that way? I mean, you know, for me, it's just been an adrenaline rush either way. I, I will say, though, there are certainly some coaches, I think one of them's coming up at 1 o'clock, that are a little bit more – subdued, not quite as much fun to listen to. I mean, Lane Kiffin, I think he's a fantastic football coach, but he's not exactly an exhilarating interview, if you will. Um, You know, I'll tell you guys from my personal experience, it's been really cool to be in the room and experience like being in the same air as a guy like Nick Saban, right? Being in the same place as a guy like Kirby Smart. But I think Shane Beamer definitely brings a different energy. You know, he is the new age of coach, that young, energetic where it's just infectious, right? You see it on the recruiting trail. It's why he's been able – I truly believe why Shane Beamer or one of the big reasons he's been able to do what he's going to do do at South Carolina. So uh, he definitely picked up the pace, I would say. Uh, There's been some other fun ones. You know, I thought that Hugh Freeze was a good interview. I thought Nick Saban, guys, was actually funnier than I expected. I I mean, he was up there cracking jokes, and I I didn't expect him to be kind of that – 
you know, after last season, be sort of that that uh that loosey goosey, if you will. But uh, certainly, I, you know, I think they they positioned it and scheduled it this way for a reason. And you know, having Kiffin, but then certainly Beamer and Heupel, um, you know, I, I think they did that on purpose. So Shane Beamer definitely going to steal the show today, though, because I don't think Josh Heupel's much of a energizer bunny up in the podium or anything. No, and, and you're right about Saban yesterday. He's really I I like I've always appreciated Nick Saban's interviews. He always has. There's a method to the madness. But I did find it interesting, and I'll turn it over to JC for his, for the next question here. But I did find it interesting how the uh, how uh, the SEC worked their schedule yesterday with the coaches and the fact that you had Saban go off at ten o five, you had uh, Sam Pittman go off at 1130, who's also a guy who can carry the room very well, as we saw. And then they introduced a, a, um, a new segment this week called Nap Time with Billy Napier uh, after that. So the, so the media got to take a little while and, and kind of freshen up and get a drink of water, maybe grab a bite to eat, you know, snooze for a minute, and then come back and hear Stoops talk. So hats off to the SEC for including Nap Time for the hardworking media guys this week. Well, and I'll say this. I think Beamer just said that's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Anyways, on Billy Napier. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, uh, you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I'll say this. I think the biggest thing, and I'm not saying other coaches don't feel this way. Cause I, you know, listen, I mean, they're human beings too. Like some of them, I don't think Lane Kiffin's a guy that likes doing that. I, I don't yeah. think he likes being in that type of public setting. And I, he almost comes off to me as a guy that gets some sort of social anxiety, which it doesn't make him any less of a football coach, but some guys don't embrace that. But a guy like Shane Beamer, I think he just, I think he sees it as an opportunity to continue to sell his program, man. Everybody's watching. All eyes are on SEC media days. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's constantly putting out that, that sales pitch, if you will. Maybe that's a way to say it. But just constantly selling the program and highlighting all of the great things that South Carolina is doing. And he takes full advantage of that. You know, obviously the media team publishing what they publish on social media. They hammer on that. And that's what wins in recruiting, guys. He knows that. So um, certainly he's one of the best, the best, but there's, there are some out there admittedly that can put you to sleep. That's for sure. Mama always said I should coach where the man in the visor coached. So now I'm the coach of the Florida Gators. <laughs> Just go back to the coach. My name is Billy. Billy Napier. <laughs> uh, go Gators. Anyway. Um, I thought, hey, Nick, I'll tell you this. He, I'll tell you this. He might, he, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go no, ahead. No, go no, ahead. No, no, yeah, yeah. About Napier. No, I was just going to say, I, I, he might be sleepy. He, he might be sleepy, Billy, but whatever they're doing, the recruiting trail's working, guys. I'll tell you that. And, and I am appreciative yeah. to coach. Uh, he took on the he took on the Graham Mertz question head on, and I actually learned something with that, that I, I think Graham Mertz is going to be the starter. But the way that he indicated that that quarterback battle would kind of carry into fall camp, I mean, I'm sure he's just – promoting competition, but it sounds like the door might be open. I, Graham Mertz will probably start it, but will he finish it? That's the big question in Gainesville. The, the, what's his name? Jack King? Yeah, he went to Ohio. He was one of those highly rated guys. Jack that went Miller. To Ohio State. It's by Jack Miller. Mm-hmm. High, highly rated guys that went to Ohio State. He just looks like he's got cement shoes on. You know, that's dangerous yeah. in this league. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I, you know, Mertz, and when Mertz went to Wisconsin, they thought he was the savior of the program. I mean, they, they were like, wow, big time guy. So, We'll see. We'll see what we'll see what happens down there. Uh, but uh, it. Uh, so I thought Nick, Nick Saban, the goat. I think he tried a different approach, and I honestly, I think he bombed a little bit at the beginning because he, he went out there, and you're so used to Saban, and I'm with you guys. I love listening to every word because he, he's so smart about the game in general. 
And and a lot of a lot of the stuff he says in these settings are, are for the good of the game and not necessarily even what's good for Alabama. Um, and so he goes out there and it's like it's like a comic on open mic night. It's, it's like boom, say just got back from Italy. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, yeah, my wife uh, I got out of it. Well, <laughs> didn't get out of it this year, and it was like the room was stunned. Like nobody laughed. No, everybody's like, "Holy cow!" And his timing got all candy wampus. But I mean, the goat never gets rattled. I mean, he's not—he's got mental toughness, you know. Uh, so the goat wasn't rattled. But I still was like, "Oh, that's kind of a—he kind of tried something there, and it, it bombed horribly." Uh, but then he shifted gears, and we all kind of went, "Oh yeah, cute story. That was awesome, you know, Miss Terry, whatever." And he went into his whole normal routine. But I, that kind of struck me as strange yesterday. I was like, "Man, that, this guy." He's been coming to this thing for 17 years, 20 really, if you count the four, or yeah. 21 if you count the four to LSU. My man tried something different, tried to, tried to do something different, and, and there was just no audience reaction because everybody's just so accustomed to him being him. They, I don't even know if they thought he was joking. I thought like, he's going to get mad or something about going to Italy or whatever. But uh, So if I have a criticism of Nick Saban, it's going to be before you get that job on game day when you retire, which we all know that's going to happen, Work on your comic timing a little bit, Nick. It, you got to brush up on that, uh, and uh, you know before you get on the set with those guys, uh, and you'll be just fine. But um, yeah, I'm with you. You know, Chris, I've noticed you've been asking players about uh, the Gamecocks from other schools. You know about Gamecocks and Williams Bryce Stadium in general. What's been kind of your overall take and your conversations uh, with opposing players, opposing coaches uh, when you ask them about Shane Beamer and their program? Yeah, well, I'll tell you this, guys. It's been pretty buttoned up, obviously. These guys are coached on what to say. So I don't think anything has really stood out that's been, like, over the top or, oh, my God, that's an earth chatting. By the way, you speak on Nick Saban. Maybe the breaking news of the week is that his favorite cake is carrot cake. That that really took social media by storm, by the way. Um, anyways, you know, what was really cool is getting to ask a guy like K.J. Jefferson about Trey Knox. I thought that was really neat hearing about the relationship between those two guys. You know, he mentioned that, you know, Trey Knox is a leader. He's a guy who can do a lot of different things. You get the football in his hand. Spoke very highly of Trey Knox and the players the Gamecocks are getting. I mean, outside of that, you had the defensive back from Florida that just mentioned kind of, you know, I, I played on the the matchup with Juice Wells. And, you know, guys, it's funny because I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, I'm like, why have I never heard of this guy? You know, but I realized last year, 38-6, I mean, when was there a, a matchup that really stood out that we can remember? There wasn't. Because... Oh. Okay, you got me back. Okay. Anyways, talk yeah. to Florida DB about the matchup okay. with Juice Wells. Again, he gave the very – he's looking forward to that matchup. And um, so, I mean, it's been a lot of fun. I, I think these opposing players, they all have respect for each other. And I think, obviously, the goal is to not say anything that's going to – you know, I was wondering, why did Juice Wells not get the invite to SEC Media Days? And obviously, you want to go offense, defense, special teams. But I think Shane Beamer maybe also knew that Juice Wells, if I asked him about DBs in the SEC – he ain't going to hold back and telling me that he's going to burn every single one of them. You know what I mean? So right, you, you kind of right. want to bring those guys that are that are going to answer the questions the way you want to answer them. But, but it's been a blast talking with other players, man. It really has truly been incredible. That's a good Phil, point. I think Juice yeah. was the one last year that, you know, when asked about DBs, I think right before the start of the season was like, or, or asked about whether or not they were going to win a game was like, yeah, we're going to beat the hell out of them or something yeah, he, like that. That was, that, was Georgia, that was Georgia State week. He said, we're going to go out yeah. and kill them. That was the exact quote. We're, we're going to go, go out, out there and kill them. And, and then, kill he was them. Asked, then he was asked on Bustin' with the Boys, the Barstool podcast, about is there a DB in the SEC that, I don't know, you're scared of? or He's like, nah, hell no. Nah. So, I mean, it's, you know. Um, 
you know, we're all looking for quotes and everything. But, no, it's been cool. I think there's a respect to the Gamecocks, obviously. And uh, I'm excited to ask Joe Milton a question if I can. We're pretty loaded up with appearances. But, uh, you know, we got Tennessee last, and, you know, you never know what those guys might have to say. So, Well, I, 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 I think uh, on that note that you just mentioned, too, I mean, Rattler was asked this morning by Brad Crawford, you know, where do you rank yourself as a quarterback in the league? You said at the top. <laughs> You know, and, 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 and you can't say that unless, number one, you've either shown that you have the ability to be there or, number two, you are. Um, and, and you know, so I like that response. You mentioned the Juice Wells situation. It does seem like they're a very confident football team. I, I know we got to get you out of here in just a second. Um, have you gotten any feedback up there on uh, Dowell Loggins? Yeah, the feedback's positive. Um, and Shane Beamer was actually asked about that, too. But, yeah, we've talked with some Arkansas guys, whether it be 24-7, on three, what have you. And, um, you know, the thing they mentioned, number one, is he's an elite recruiter. You know, I was able to talk to some Arkansas guys, ESPN Arkansas, like I mentioned, on three, 24-7, about Justin Stepp and Dabble Loggins. And those guys, number one, they love Justin Stepp. We love Justin Stepp. Talked about he's maybe the most elite recruiter to ever come through Fayetteville. And they mentioned that Sam Pittman was upset to lose Dabble Loggins because he actually wanted to slide Dabble in that play-calling role once Kendall Browse left. So Arkansas folks, they speak really highly on him. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's just – it's really hard, guys, though, to have a, a strong verdict on he's going to be the best play-caller since Steve Spurrier or he's not because you just simply don't know. And you're not going to label somebody guilty till proven innocent. It's just it's just a question mark. And it's fair to say there are a lot of reasons why it could work out. There's fair to say that why there are question marks, right? So I would say this, the feedback from the Arkansas people specifically has been very positive. They think Dabble Loggins is going to be an asset to South Carolina. And as long as they keep things simple, they simplify and carry off what they did last year. I mean, it feels like there's no reason to believe why they cannot do that. But of course, as you guys know, got to hit the ground running early with UNC out the gate, Georgia week three. And, you know, the, the, the marathon is on from that point. You are right about that. It is literally right around the corner. We'll let you run until you can get back to to work up there in uh, Nashville. But once again, uh, you've done a nice job this week. You should pat yourself on the back. Real, real seriously. I mean that. It's a, it's been really, really good questions. And um, there's just there's not a, there's not a lot of people that ask really good questions. So hats off. Yeah, I, I think one of the more ridiculous questions I've heard this week. And no offense to anybody because you're trying to get your story to your thing. But the one guy who asked Lane Kiffin to power rank the boosters in the SEC. Yeah, that was like, ridiculous. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna start naming names out. Come here. on, man. What uh, are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. JC, JB, Phil, I appreciate it. Let me say this, by the way, to JC and all you guys. Carolina Rise, the partnership with Park Avenue. Congratulations. That's a huge deal in the NIL space at South Carolina. And I mean, obviously, you, you guys have told everybody listening, but be sure to go support. And um, huge deal. So, congrats to you, JC, JB, Phil, everybody involved. So, awesome, Thanks. man. Thank you. Hey, y'all take care. Appreciate y'all. Take care, See Chris. There you go. Chris Phillips with the. Spurs up show, and uh, his segments get better and better, man. Yeah, I thought that was a great segment. I don't know, just well, my when, opinion. When you're when you're in the thick of it, right, and you, you mm-hmm. get to talk to the people and you get real information, you know, that's that's obviously going to help you. But I think, uh, well, we're not going to sit here and diagnose, you know, one of our guests or anything like that. But he's done a great job this week. So hats off. Yeah, to the him questions, yeah, the questions were good, and, and, and it's a place where. Even like veterans, newspaper guys and stuff ask crappy questions, and you know I think he's been well thought out in all of them. One of the few, and there's there's a lot of other guys too that that they're on that level. But then there's a ton of guys there, man. I've told you all the story about the the random Saban blog 
Yeah. They, it only was up for like the week of media days. Yeah. And, and the guy stood up with his, it took his hat off, put it over his heart. It was like, first of all, Coach Saban like, thank you. My wife like, thank you. My family left. Thank you for coming out with that <laughs> And then he proceeds to shift gears. He goes, I don't understand why y'all ran the ball on fourth and two against Auburn. What can you say about that call? Just like a bipolar sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's that word again, sociopath. But yeah, he just flipped on him. And Saban was like, uh, <sighs> and just answered the question. So, anyway. Yeah, That's Nick funny, is though. like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, in that vein, though, Brad Crawford tweeted that when Shane Beamer was announced, somebody clapped. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Did they really? Don't know who. Not sure who it was. He didn't call out who it was. Oh, but no. Somebody did clap. <laughs> oh, no. Ah! <laughs> hey, right, maybe look. it's maybe it's, like, maybe it's like an Alabama fan because they that's what I'm thinking. It's Tennessee. Oh, right, Shane, roll tide, baby, roll tide. Let's go, yeah. let's go, roll tide, roll tide. Thanks for knocking off them balls. That's how that's how they are in the Clemson press box. You know, all right, way to go. Oh, wait, are you covering? Uh, where they're like are you what North are you? Face custom embroidered North Face Clemson vest? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've seen that vest, man. Let's times. hit our final timeout of hour number one. We're powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston inside the Gamecocks. We'll be right back. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. You hear me and see me every day here on Inside the Gamecocks, and it would be an honor to earn your business. I've been around real estate my entire life as it's somewhat of a family business. I work with an elite team of experts from loans to insurance to closing, and they make my clients and my life very easy. It really is elite. CoastToCoastRealtySC.com is where you can find our staff, and you can always reach out to me here as well. Go Gamecocks. Cool Joe here, and when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is.
12.55, quick segment to end our number one here inside the Gamecocks. The show, Cryptic Sandstorm, ending our, which should be final hour, but it's not because we didn't start until noon. Uh, really quick here, guys, let me squeeze this in since we don't have long before uh, we step aside for the top of the hour, and then we'll fuss and discuss plenty when we return. But um, this morning, Coach Beamer uh, did say that uh, thus far with the injury report as of 8 o'clock last night, speaking to Clint Haggard, it's all good under the hood. Uh, the only things that he really mentioned were Jordan Strawn and uh, Mo Kaba and the fact that they are going to be a little bit limited to start camp, but they uh, are expected to be full go by the time they get to game number one. I don't think that's anything that any of us were not expecting to hear. We've kind of known that for a while. So outside yeah. of that, they're in good shape, guys. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I was asked on Bill King today uh, – who my bubble wrap player for South Carolina was. In other words, what player do you want to wrap in bubble wrap to keep him healthy? Uh, it's Spencer uh, Rattler. <laughs> yeah, that's the obvious choice. But Wait. <laughs> you know, speaking of Forrest Gump, you know, you can go your own way, Jamie. You can go your own way. Anyway, well, no, I went well, no, wait way. a second. There's an option two to this answer? No. I went no with way. Jordan Strong. Oh, JC, you're thinking too much. I think much, Jordan man. is a natural – is the best natural pass rusher on the team. He's in his seventh freaking year. He's yeah. wants to get the – could have gone pro after 2021 and probably been a late-round pick. Carolina desperately needs to affect the passer better this year. We all know that. Uh, outside of him, they're going to be either really young or really average. Average. <laughs> well, defensive end. That's an average defensive end. Um, I, 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 at I, least when you're talking about both. Because um, I, I love Jay. I think Jace's gear is going to start. I have not gotten great feedback on a lot of the, some of the other guys behind them, uh, like Dawkins and, and those guys. You know, they, they got to come a long way during fall. Maybe they will. Um, Brian Thomas, I think, is a good role player. You can always slide Tonka out, but does that take away from So. I think strong. That that was that was mine, and uh, I'm probably an outlier there. And I get, but I guess I have more faith in like Luke Doty and or maybe Sellers to get them through on a quarterback. Uh, of course, you lose a whole lot when you lose Rattler, but uh, then maybe I am about the the the, deep, the defensive end reserves. So that's, that's just my take. Uh, Phil, I think that uh, after this break, you and I should put JC in his place. This reminds me of last year when we were in August and he started having his special teams breakdown. Remember that? Like, what, I don't know, Megan. No, you might be on that island alone, JB. Well, I see your point. <laughs> there is a lot to be said because I, I agree with I agree with JC that Strong is probably the most natural at the edge position. We lost a lot last year when he went down. I don't know. Okay. All right. Yeah. So let me, let me, I tell we you can what. do one let's, from both sides of the ball. Let's, let's go to that. break. Let's go to break. <laughs> and when we come back, when we come back, we'll get into this because there's no way that I'm going to let y'all get away with this. That, I don't stand my ground on a lot of stuff. I like hat tip. Okay, I respect your opinion. I do not respect either one of your opinions on that. Oh, man. That's the most ridiculous thing ever. Like, oh, man. Strawn's down. Season's over. Or wait, Rattler's down. Oh, my God. I'm going to bury myself alive. 
We'll, we'll talk like about it. It's like the Chiefs song. There are those that disagree with Phil and JC. There are those <laughs> I, I, who have I just a strong think- take. You are, you had a heads up on that. I just think Phil needs two minutes or a minute and a half during this break. Let me to, clear to, my head. To come back <laughs> and, and think about what he just did. That's and then right. when, when we return, we'll, 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 you know, we'll figure this thing out. So, um, think all right. Our one is in the books inside the game. Cox, the show from the Sinorama studios, hour two coming up. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS to inside the Gamecocks the show everybody second hour of the show even though it's 103 that might be why we're needing to clear our heads because you know I'm not used to working this late the uh, (laughs) I I was sitting here thinking I was like I could change my uh, I could change my little tag there to be Lenora Sellers truther and I know Bruin Nation would be in on me with that 
But no, I think it's probably recency bias, the reason why I agree with Strawn so much, because I was thinking about the edge as I, you know, have been a lot here <laughs> heading into this season. Uh, and I really like his play. He's very natural at getting to the quarterback. I thought he was more effective at doing it than, you know, shoot, Jordan Birch. I mean, players we've had in the past, He's he's got everything you need. And if you can't, you know, if you can't stop them, then you're going to be wearing your arm out trying to catch up. JC, what have you done to this guy? I mean, if it's not Spencer Rattler, it's Joyner. That, I also, there is an argument for Joyner as well. Oh, you, you want to talk about thin you, is you that running back room is all thin. This. You can't no, no, be no, going no, back no. and forth. No, no, I'm just saying. I mean, I, I can understand the validity of all these arguments. I'm still standing behind the fact that Jordan Strawn is the one that I think we need to bubble wrap. I'm not I'm not backing off of that. But I will concede that I can understand where you're coming from. I, I just Although went I okay. think you're wrong. I, I just <laughs> now that I respect. I respect, yeah, I respect the I bold statement wrong. of because yeah. I, 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 I think that both of you have uh, literally I don't know what's happened to both of you. I went to uh to uh the big spur to see it, pe- people get too cute with, with questions like this. Ooh, ooh, how can I sound different from somebody? You know, Desmond Umiazulu. Guy's never played a snap. I mean, he, he, what? Now, I respect the the joiners. I respect Juice. I think Juice is a big deal. But I, I am just beyond mystified. Let me ask you this. If we found out tomorrow that Rattler was done for the year, what would your reactions be? Well, obviously not positive. I mean, really? No, yeah, right. <laughs> no, that's not. No, 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 no. If you found out tomorrow that Rattler was done for the year and you found out tomorrow that Jordan Strong was done for the year, which one would you have a more or a uh, which one would be a more gut punch, if you will? I can't lose any more on that front seven defensively. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, now look, I'm one of these two. Like, I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of questions like this because football is about, uh, uh, you know, football is about scenarios, right? It's never one or the other, right? You never want to lose your starting quarterback, much less a guy talented as Rattler. Um, you know, I, I think that even, even with my strong opinion, okay, so what does that mean? What that means is Clayton White's got to run a different defense because you're going to have to slide Tonka out and probably Eliza Davis too. Um, and then you're going to have big ends and then you're going to have to play a buck, which probably means Brian Thomas gets a lot of snaps along with Desmond Umiazulu. Uh, on the other side, yeah, like I said, I don't think Terrell Dawkins is going to play much. Uh, Tyreek Johnson, we talk about him every offseason. I hope I hope the best for both of those guys. I'm not trying to trash them. They just that's just not the projection. Um, you have the mystery defensive end who's trying to finish up his classes. You know, maybe mystery gets out there and it, it is awesome. But but I, I just feel like you know when you look at Carolina's defensive front because of everything that happened in the portal because they didn't really fill as many needs. I mean, Montague Rames is out too. I mean, that could have been a guy who's got natural strength who could have gone in there and given you a few snaps. Uh, And they really haven't recruited that well at that position prior to last class. 
uh, going back to the previous staff, I, you know, I, I just think that Strawn is is your potential game changing defensive end. I mean, I think he's he's that good. Um, you know, with Spencer, if he goes out, it's going to suck. But you do have depth at quarterback. You have a lot more depth at quarterback in that room than oh. you do uh, at uh, at the end. You know, to carry on Joiner, uh, I won't say anything about that other than I was very, very encouraged by what Shane said about him today. Sure. Very encouraged because he, he kind of gave you some behind the scenes on it to where, you know, hey, he, that wasn't the plan for him to be a full-time running back. He was kind of there, give us some snaps. And now he's completely embraced it. I don't ever want to count that kid out. No. Everybody never. that does that does that at their own peril. Because <laughs> nobody works harder. And, and, and you know, even even if the even if he wasn't, you know, passionate about the program, do anything for anything, even if he wasn't, his skill set changed right. You, you look at when he ran out of the shotgun last year, not the stupid call against Georgia, which was dumb. And if it weren't for to carry on running with passion, that would have been a loss. It was at least a three-yard gain. He, the mad scientist called it up on third and eight. <laughs> After you'd completed a pass for a first down against that defense, you, you run this – and everybody in the stadium, Will Muschamp's sitting there laughing because um, he knows it's coming. But later on in the year when they got to carry on involved, man, you know, he, he, he rarely – he would a lot of times make the first guy miss good vision, good explosiveness in the spring game. He had some toughness. He's up to 230 pounds. Now he's elusive. John Whittle said that was his best position in 2020. And I trust John. Yeah. Well, well, just like I told John, Ethan Petrie was a stud. So, you know, that's our trade-off with <laughs> the two sports. He called that one. I called that one. Anyway, um, I believe I said Petrie was a stud after game two. Can I can I can I but jump anyway. in there and say I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna let you finish. I just want to make sure I throw this in there because I think this is very important to this conversation. What you mentioned that or what you said that uh, Shane mentioned this morning about Joiner, and we we're just gonna get him some snaps. Needed to fill him. We didn't have any running backs. The whole nine yards. Well, let me make sure I kind of plug this in there as well. Had they and JC, I, uh, if you. I know you have information on this, but you can you can follow this up with anything. Um, had they s- signed a guy in the portal, or maybe maybe two guys in the portal? Uh, my understanding of this from 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 my source, or I would say sources, they were still going to leave him at running back. They had no plans to move him back to wide receiver. He 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 did that much where they thought, okay, you know what? He is actually going to play running back for us. And if we sign a guy in the portal or two guys in the portal, of course that's going to take snaps away from him. But they, they at that point in time, had decided that that was going to be his position as opposed to going back to wide receiver. So I just want to make sure I plug that in there because I know that somebody out there is going to hear this and go, well, of course they left him there. They didn't sign any portal running backs. My understanding is he had actually done enough on his own merit to stay at that position. Honestly, yeah. I mean, and I see I, – I, I would if they had gotten Logan Diggs, for example. Uh, I think Logan would have been the starter. There'd have been a competition, but I think Clearly. Logan would have been the starter. Yes, yes but but I, I think that. to carry on a pro, it would have probably been Logan to carry on Mario Anderson, top three, and then Juju. Juju's going to be on the depth chart high, uh, but Juju just kind of does what Juju does. I mean, that's what <laughs> that's what he you know he, he's just kind of 
He's going to be 10 to 15 snaps. You're going to throw him some passes. He's going to, you know, you're going to try to surprise people with the quick draw at the middle with him. Uh, all that good stuff. Juju himself will tell you, you know, he's probably not physically uh, ready to, you know, line up and, uh, and, and carry it 30 times a game in this league. Uh, you know, Julie in the chat box says UNC will not sleep on DK again. Yeah, but they got to prepare for him as a running back now. You don't have to prepare. You know, last time, of course, yeah. they snuck up on it because that was a that was a surprise to everybody except me and Hale McGranahan. <laughs> and, and, probably, and probably Jamie too because I think I told Jamie privately two weeks before I was like hey this is going to happen yeah. I think the day of the game I think Jamie actually called me the day of the game hey, so guess what guess what's going to happen you know what we talked about so um, I, <laughs> yeah I, I, actually I, I remember that conversation and, and look I, yeah. I think this too I think DeCara Joyner is a leader on this team I think you have to play him I think he deserves snaps but at wide receiver is he better than Xavier Leggett or Juice Wells or no. even even Eddie Lewis and, and Galmore and Brown, guys like that? Probably not. You wouldn't say that. So who are you going to take off the field to play him at receiver? That's the first question. Um, I think he's got good enough hands to catch it out of the backfield. And, and I think unlike at receiver where he's got to get separation and run routes and all this other stuff, he can just let his natural ability, and he's got tremendous natural ability, uh, kind of take over. And I think it's probably more comfortable for him there uh, than at receiver. His best position is quarterback, and I've said that over and over again. That's his best position. And he could have easily transferred somewhere and been a starter at the Power 5 level in certain schemes. No no doubt in my mind. Agreed. I but, agree. But I do think that, you know, if there's a second spot, now that you hear that feedback on top of everything else, uh, I, I think I think the carry-on could be a nice stopgap here this year and be the guy – uh, one one more shining moment for him, and, and he's off. And, and I think this is his best path, path to the NFL, guys. I, I really do. Uh, Sorry, running I'm backs sorry. in the NFL aren't making a lot of money now, but uh, guys like him, you sign them in the late rounds, you put them on the practice squad a year. Two years later, they're your starting running back because your, your starter gets too expensive. And, and at that position, they just recycle you. And with his position versatility, you know, I, I think if he has a great year, he could get drafted. Um, by the way, I want to throw this in there really quickly. One of the guys that I, I played golf with the other day informed me this was really, really cool. Um, and I, he, he said, I'm not going to say his name, but he did say I could share the story um, that uh, a few months ago when to carry on was he was, you know, this because you've been working with some NIL things with him to help uh, his family. But um when he was, uh, after his baby was born, you know, they were trying to piece it all together. And he kind of kindly asked the public, hey, if I, I, I do need help. And if you can, that'd be wonderful. That was not somebody in search of free things. That was in search of what they need. Well, one of the individuals I was playing golf with uh, sent him what, what he told me was well over $1,000 worth of baby clothes. Uh, and not just baby clothes, but baby clothes. And then the kind of that ne- anybody who's been a parent knows what I'm talking about. They grow out of it pretty quick. And then you're going, well, what do we do with all this? And what do we wear next? So he, he sent them a whole lo- line for, for about three years, basically here, I'll get you covered. And, um, and that was, I didn't, I had no idea, but I'm not going to you know say much more about that, about him individually, but that was really, really neat to see. And you know what he told me? He said what was amazing was after I sent it, he said it wasn't even a week later, 
a week later, I got this long personal letter in the mail. I didn't get a text. I didn't get an email. I didn't get just a thank you card. I got this personal letter uh, telling me about how his child is doing, thanking me for being a Gamecock. Uh, you know, I'd love to meet you someday. Please stay in touch. I can't thank you enough. It, very personal, all this stuff. And it was a long letter, he said. So he's got it up in his office now. And that was just a really neat thing to to hear with the carry on joiner. That's the type of person, of course, that he is. On the field, though, to kind of transition this back into what you were saying, J.C., this is where I think that Dowell Loggins is going to really, really earn his stripes and earn his paycheck because we we now have – what do we have, Phil? Um, uh, we have three – would you call it three years' worth of evidence that this kid can play quarterback, wide receiver, or running back, right? And yeah. um, it's not just something that we're talking about in the preseason because that's what they said he's going to do. We have seen him play wide receiver. We have seen him win us a game, or win us, win the Gamecocks a game at wide receiver. We have seen him win the Gamecocks a game at quarterback. And now he's also going to be on the field in a running back capacity. And so, just speaking offense, and as we start uh, our, our uh, look into the season of Gamecock football in August, by the way, we'll, we'll announce this, but any of you that are listening here, are going to know first right now. Every week we'll have Pat DeMarco, Perry Orth, and Michael Flint on our program starting in the beginning of August. You're going to love it. Um, this is where they'll be able to bring their expertise in to, to, to get us into the mind of an offensive coordinator who can use this guy, but not in the way that we all think, right, JC? Like, oh, he's on the field. They're going to hand him the – he has got to be accounted for by every level of defense now. Because you don't know when he's going to get the football. You don't know when they're going to pitch it to him and he's going to throw it. You don't know when they're going to flank him out wide and who's going to cover him. So with a with a quarterback like Rattler and a, a coordinator like Dowell Loggins, who has quite the experience in calling plays, this guy is your wild card in literally everything that you do. When he's on the field, somebody's going to be open, period. Because nobody knows – what they're going to do with him if you disguise it the way that you're supposed to. All right, I'm done. Sorry. No, I mean, you know, and I've said it, I said it all last year. It was like, I mean, here's what thing we know about to carry on Joyner is he is a dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands. If you get him in space, however that is, you know, and then he can throw it too. <laughs> That's the other side of it. You and know? And I, I fully expect, I fully expect him to throw a touchdown pass in week one. I'm going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> oh, well, you know. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. You know, hey, but remember me, North Carolina? That's it, what it's going to be. That's good. <laughs> Like it, it does, it does make sense though, right? JC, oh, like, yeah. you know, when, when he, guys, when he's out there, he doesn't have to get the ball to have an impact. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you, you you use him as a decoy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, yeah, I mean, what about that? The, you know, the play in the Tennessee game where Spencer goes out wide and he threw it to Spencer, and Spencer uh, pass was a little errant, and Spencer fell down at the at the four, and, and that's fine. Spencer didn't need to get hurt, uh, you know, trying to run over anybody. But yeah, I mean, oh, that's boy. a oh, versatile boy. Oh, guy. Boy. You could dial up all kinds of things with him, and. Uh, and I'll say this, you know, he is probably more quick and elusive than fast in a straight line. 
But the the times DeCarrion's gotten in the open field since he's been at Carolina, it's very rare he gets caught from behind. I mean, very rare. Kind of like uh, juice. Maybe the maybe that pass he caught in the Gator Bowl, you know, was was one. But uh, oh yeah, he's I mentioned uh, that uh, him with the NIL thing. He's yeah, really, yeah. really slow. Yeah. Really <laughs> slower than Al Poop, right? I said, wow. dude, was that? Did they not cut the grass that day? What happened to you? No, I think I think I think it may be surprising the ball got there as quick as it did because Spencer really fired a bullet. But uh, yeah, I just think you know, I, I think that's good. I think you know, kid from the look, Giants. Would you would you like more Family. experience and production at running back coming back? Yes, absolutely. Uh, but I, I think Beamer's comments, what I've heard out of fall practice. Or, or sorry, summer workouts. The fact he's two hundred six one two thirty. That's a big running back, folks. <laughs> that's that's a big boy. Yeah. Um, and, and just kind of his skill set, it kind of gives you a little more comfort about that spot. I mean, I think my I think Mario Anderson's going to be fine too. I think Juju will do Juju's things, and we'll see about DJ Braswell. But uh, man, you, you just kind of get a little bit more comfortable when you hear those types of things. Uh, about to carry on. No doubt about it. Absolutely. Craig says Perry Orth can definitely outrun DK. No doubt. Yeah. Perry is uh sneaky fast and, uh, and we will, uh, as I, as I have told him a thousand times, Hey man, if you're on the air with me for the next 10 years, I hope you are. I will remind you pretty much every time you're on the air, how slow you are because you are slow as dirt. But anyway, I'll never forget that that run against A and M. I'll never then, forget it. No, no, <laughs> and then, and then six years later, the Damani Staley pick six against yeah, uh, East Carolina. Right. Both those man, it was like sit down, look at your beer, call your mom. Oh yeah, back up. There it was. Oh, yeah. We made a whole uh, thing of nachos during that run. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> when Perry was was playing the last part of that year uh, in 2015, when when Elliot gave him the job immediately. Yep. And and GA was calling the plays. Perry maybe wasn't all that fast, but he would get positive rushing yards if it were there. Yeah. He didn't hesitate taking off and and, and squirming his way through there and running. Yeah. Uh, That's more than you can say about the quarterback that started the season (laughs) at Carolina that that season uh, that probably, you know, was not willing to do that. So I think that, uh, I think Perry really, uh, you know, deserves a lot of credit for that and and his rushing ability. But that run against A&M, I don't even know what A&M's defensive players were thinking. It took the I whole mean, fourth quarter. I mean, I mean they just they couldn't figure it out. So, like, yeah, I mean. You looked I up at the end of the game and you're like, how did Carolina have 41 yards of pos- uh, pos- t- possession? And they're like, well, Orr's run took up 13 minutes. Oh. <laughs> if they'd had the new rules, they'd have called the game when he was at the 10. Yeah. <laughs> game would have been over. The game would have been over. You know? <laughs> nah, I mean, I looked down. I even texted GA at that point. I was like, man, you were kicking John Chavis's ass. Because he was. <laughs> he was. Uh, remember, John Chavis was the D.C. then. I mean, A&M came back and won the game thanks to Kyler Murray and, and then some big plays. And uh, Had Brandon Wilds not gotten hurt that game, though, I think Carolina may have pulled the upset. But Could've it was difference, yeah. Perry's run, man. I'll just never forget it. Uh, I was at uh, Max Speed Shop in Greenville across from the the thing. The, the, the girlfriend at the time had dropped me off. I was flying solo, drinking mm-hmm. tall lattes, 
Oh, and I, I'll never forget. I looked up, man, Perry Orr's got some reartage there. As I looked down, drank a beer, answered a text. He's still running. Waved yeah. at somebody. Waitress comes by with my wings. I take a bite of wing. He's still running. Yeah. Well, you remind me of the little kid in uh, Christmas Vacation. Feed the hog. Do my homework. Got some. Yeah, I mean it was. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Clint says Lance chugged the beer, chugged the beer during Well, I, I would say this, no disrespect to, to Lance, but if he only got one beer down during that run, he's, he's, <laughs> yeah. that's he not very, during that run. that's <laughs> not very good. Like Lance, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you, uh, to, uh, you know, pick up your game a little bit with the season approaching one beer in 13 minutes. Ain't that's not, that ain't getting it done, man. So you got to. You got to turn the page. That's a that's a poor pace. All right, we do need to uh, hit a uh, timeout. It's one twenty four. Josh Heupel is on the podium. He is the final coach of the week at SEC Media Days, and then all of us next week will get one more quick breather. And then guess what? Fall practice begins the following week, and we're all looking forward to that. August the fourth, as a matter of fact, uh, for South Carolina. Hang tight. We're built by the Barn Doco inside the Gamecocks. The show will be right back. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stoneblatt. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show.
we are back, everybody, inside the Gamecocks of the show. We are second hour of the show rolling on. We're on a delayed start today to catch up with Shane Beamer at SEC Media Days. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, now the next time we see him will be uh, the press conference to open fall practice, which, JC, uh, I'm assuming um, – we will probably next week, I would guess, right? Next week, we should be getting our email from Steve on the full fall practice schedule and scrimmage schedules. As a matter of fact. Because yeah, they'll do – they'll scrimmage twice, right? They'll scrimmage twice in the preseason if it starts on the – yeah. They do like two and a half. I think you're allowed three, but they go – one big one at the beginning, and then a second one, and then when after they people, a lot of people don't get, don't get the process because it's uh, it gets lost on folks, you know. Like, uh, I mean, like when Jake Bentley took over the the, the starting job in 2016, I kind of got some insight on it. It's like, well, you know, Jake hadn't practiced but three times before he played UMass, and I'm like, oh, well, he goes to practice every day. The guys that redshirt run the scout team. And so about two weeks into fall, they decide who's going scout team and who's going to be quote unquote varsity. And the scout team has different schedules and all that because they, they don't rep everybody in game preparation. Right. right. Uh, now this staff has repped a few more closer to the time. Uh, I think it's because of special teams and the emphasis on it, but uh, you know, so that first one's big. They evaluate that. The second one is like the, the third NFL preseason game where it's cut time. You're going to get cut, you know, who gets – nobody gets cut, but they may get scout team, right? Uh, and then that last one's usually like half and half practice and scrimmage. Uh, they use the, the – you know, because you're technically not allowed to quote-unquote scrimmage, you know, but three times. And so they use that up. And that's that's the way Muschamp, Spurrier, and Beamer have done it in most preseasons I've been around. Because you, you just get – it's a grind, you know. I'm always so excited about the beginning of practice. Uh, especially when I covered it, boy, I'd be there with bells on that first day, sweating badly in the Columbia heat, not caring. I'd bring my little folding chair. And uh, Spurrier's practices were open, so there are fans there. I mean, it was like a carnival. By about week three, yeah, nobody's there. The sun is beating down. Spurrier's just like, well, we're just – he's even sick of it. He's like, well – we're just practicing, practice, practice, practice. <laughs> now we just practice. Ready to go play some, play the game. And then once, once it's about two weeks before the game, that week zero week, uh, people start to pep up because they know it's right around the corner. And I'm honestly kind of astounded. I mean, it's been such a whirlwind of a year. I'm kind of surprised. Right, we're guys, we're right here. We're a month it's, away from it being twelve days to kickoff. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no. come a long I, way since then, man. We look at our show, right? Look at look yeah, at us. Yeah. We're well, we're rolling. We we got a third third guy <laughs> now for six months. We, we probably have average jambalaya. You know, I mean, it's it's good. Probably be a little bit further along by the time the season gets here as well. Um, I would anticipate that. Yeah, yes. me too. If we could you almost know, guarantee it, some people would do their jobs. Um, let me. Make sure we squeeze in a couple of things as well pertaining uh, to the SEC uh, that happened yesterday. One, one, this is 
we're all going to laugh at it. And it, I guess it is funny because he, he laughs at it himself. The fact that Kentucky's edge, JJ Weaver has six fingers on his right hand is not only disgusting, but it's kind of funny. Did y'all see this? Six fingered man. He has six fingers. He has six fingers. Know. Yeah. He has two ring fingers, essentially. Does that give you um, which, a competitive advantage? I, I, I uh, it's, it's, probably yeah, he's gonna rule him ineligible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, the guy has six disadvantage fingers. Uh, it's amazing. He, he was literally either cut it off or <laughs> either cut the finger off, or yeah. you're ineligible. Or you're ineligible. Well, I could see him doing something stupid. Hey, he's he's I. Which so yeah, which one do you give the middle finger with? I guess again, maybe maybe you give a double middle. Maybe finger. you do a double. Like a, yeah. like a, well. That would hurt. That's weird. Um, <laughs> Dude, I'm trying to stick my two middle like, like that. Yeah, and I was doing the same. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That side of Top Gun. I gave him the bird, you know, the finger. Finger. And, and this guy would be like, well, I have two fingers in the middle. So is That's, that the bird? Is that the eagle? The falcon? Yeah, I think it would be a little bit more than that. But nonetheless, he's probably helps him in some way. Michael said, I would guess he doesn't wear other. gloves. Yeah, I, 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 well, he might. You never know. He might have a special glove. The guy, the guy probably has an NIL deal on the way somewhere, uh, with his with his six fingers. I would, I would keep an eye on that. JJ Weaver, right, so this, Kentucky, so keep it, keep an eye on it. Yeah, same same people that started Average Jambalaya, they're going to start the six finger glove company. Yeah, <laughs> Custom base. Coach over that? here for the six finger glove company. <laughs> Unbelievable. If you Gross. your left right hand can't fly gloves. The other the other news that came out yesterday, uh, the AJC, the Atlanta Journal Constitution, issued corrections to the recent investigation into Georgia's football program and their handling of sexual abuse allegations against its players and its recruits. Uh, there were corrections were issued in response to that letter. It was a nine page letter, by the way, uh, sent July eleventh by attorney Michael Raber. Uh, who represents the University of Georgia. The AJC declined the letter's demand for the article, though, to be retracted. However, the AJC said that they found no instances of fabrications in this story, although they, of course, did not appreciate the journalistic standards of Alan Judd, the investigative reporter who wrote it, and they fired him yesterday. He is no longer employed by the AJC. So, and I hate speculating in anything when it comes to this, but it just seems to me that some, now this guy has, look, I'm not, I'm not singing his praises. I didn't know anything about this, this gentleman until he wrote this column. I know nothing about him, nothing. All I saw yesterday was he has put it, been put up for multiple awards in his career, including a Pulitzer prize. If any of that matters to anybody anymore, um, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not disparaging him in any way, but he apparently has been around a long time and he has done some, some nice work to be fired over this, where they found they, they're saying he didn't on, on one hand, Phil and JC, they're saying he did not live up to our journalistic standards because there were a couple of things in there that, you know, weren't good. And then on the other hand, say he didn't fabricate anything. What that sounds like to me is there are grounds to fire him. And somebody somewhere with a little bit of pull said, you might want to do it or here's what's going to happen. That's just what it seems like to me. And uh, they probably could have 
pr- probably could have fought this and said he actually didn't legally do anything wrong, but they went on the journalistic standards platform and they let him go. Does it? What does it seem like to y'all? It just seems seems like there was pressure from somewhere. Well, I would imagine yeah. Georgia is a right to work state, so that probably made it a little easier decision that mm. they knew they weren't going to end up in court over some wrongful termination suit. Uh, but I mean, it was it was clear from what I read that he just blatantly left out yeah. <laughs> parts of you know, I mean, right. the the statements. So uh, you know, I mean, yeah, he didn't lie. Okay. But he didn't include all the truth. <laughs> so, I well, mean, you know, yeah. And in addition to that, this I think is a very important column, and this is from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm going to quote this here. Um, uh, it says, quote, Chapman's statement identified the corrections and explained changes made to the article. The AJC's editors said that they could not substantiate one of the article's key assertions about head coach Kirby Smart's tenure, that 11 players remained with the team after women reported violent encounters. The, quote, precise count of 11 players could not be substantiated under the AJC standards, the statement said. Basically saying we can't prove that. So where did he get it and why did he write it? And that's all part of this. Well, this guy was also fired at the Louisville Courier Journal early in his career. Uh, I did not know. My, understand, okay. my understanding for the same thing. Uh, my understanding is he's and look, and then of course after the fact, you know, politicians <laughs> they, they never seem cease to amaze me. They come out and say, "Oh, he did the same thing to me, fabricated." And I'm like, "Well, I put about it. Why did you say something at the time?" Yeah. Um, I yeah. think that you know when you. <laughs> Uh, you remember the Chris Rock bit about don't eat the big piece of chicken, save it for daddy. And if you ate the big piece of chicken, mama's sewing the big piece of chicken back home. What I think is this was like a bucket, of, a bucket of chicken. Let's call it grilled. So you can thread the needle easily. And they were trying to take different facts, different pieces of chicken and sew it back together and make a whole chicken. Well, that's not a chicken. That's Frankenstein. And that's fantasy. And I think that's the problem. Uh, I, I, you know, I have no doubt there were some facts. Does Georgia need to be better off the field? Absolutely. Is the speeding thing almost inexcusable given where Athens is at, given that this obviously was quite the habit of a lot of the players, even after people died? Absolutely. Do, Do I think, you know, is Kirby Smart one of those guys that publicly talks about discipline and, no, I think he's Mr. Internal Discipline and just doesn't talk about it. And that makes people who feel entitled to that information feel bad. So so they were doing everything they can to paint him in a bad light just because when you have a lack of transparency, which he's entitled to have uh, as a college football coach, even in a state support school, you know, they're going to try to get you, you know. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, with the way it was structured, uh, and some of the the things that were passed off as facts, which really were were more opinions, this thing belonged more in a column, an opinion column, than in, an investigative piece. Uh, and, and it's a shame because the guy looks like between the Louisville incident and now, 
that he did some good work uh, on the non-sports end of things. I mean, and maybe that's how you roll when you're investigating politicians or, you know, sewage or water or whatever, you know, community issues. Maybe, maybe that the standard there is like, you know, let's just uh, assume a bunch and write it in there. But, but assume makes an ass out of you and me. Uh, and I think there were just a lot of assumptions made. And when you do that against a, a beloved institution and, you know, you don't have your facts right, what happened is going to happen. And, you don't, you know, you spend it a certain way. And, you know, I think I think I feel bad for anybody that loses their job, but I think he got what he deserved. Um, I think Georgia was right to go after him. Sure. Um, and, 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 and But on the flip side, I'll say this. If you're going to shoot at the king, yeah. you better not miss. You better not miss. <laughs> yeah. and, and I know how much Georgia football means over there. And, and you know, you're going to shoot at the king and miss like that. Uh, you know, you're going to get what's coming to you now. I, I, I And look, the AJC has long had uh, a contentious relationship with Georgia. It's similar to the state uh, and the Gamecocks. And, you know, I don't know if they've been quite – if like you could trace back the history of their publication uh, to be antagonistic uh, toward the institutions in the state of Georgia, but you can damn sure trace the state back. If you look at when they were founded, they were founded by a guy who basically, you know, I'm surprised he lived back then when they found him because he, he was just a, 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 a snoop um, and, and did a lot of good shining some light on, on a lot of bad things back then. But, but I think the, the the problem is the state's just always had that in their DNA and they go over a board and above and beyond uh, with, again, institutions that are beloved and some that aren't in South Carolina. And, and they just try to they try to focus more on gotcha journalism and expose journalism than just actually reporting the news. Um, and, and maybe not so much now with the group they have now, which I like. But, you know, we, we had. We had a writer from the state on here a while back, you know, and, you know, whatever narrative that was, you know, <laughs> well, we remember we had problems with that. Uh, and so I, I think it's one pl- one area Georgia and Carolina fans can kind of relate to one another uh, is an adver- adversarial relationship with the local paper. And uh, I think fortunately those mediums are, you know, not trending in the right direction and, you know, uh, something else will take their place at some point. And, uh, and then maybe you could start start anew. But uh, it did not surprise me he got fired. I think, you know, justice was served. I think too many times there's not accountability in the media. Uh, I think this was an instance of him holding him accountable. I appreciate Leroy Chapman, yeah. uh, who is their public editor, definitely. Uh, a Gamecock fan. Um, I think that he handled it very, very well. Uh, I feel bad for the writer's family and him. And I feel bad for some of the threats he's gotten. Uh, I don't think it was something that needed that. No, uh, but there are, there are consequences, you know, when, when you do not do a good job and, you know, to me, if you're a investigative reporter, that's a lot of responsibility. You have a responsibility to get to the truth. You got to get it right. And so, and if you don't get it right, that's, that that's, uh, that's just ridiculous. You know, and it's even it's used. even more important now in the scroll headline world that we live in. You've yes. got to get it right. You absolutely mm-hmm. have got to get it right. Period. The end, especially in this in, in the the era that we live in, in which 
things seemingly are more and more guilty until found innocent these days, which is just absolutely absurd um, with a lot of the, you know, if once, you know, you throw it on the wall, it doesn't stick with everybody, but it sticks with enough people to ruin your life and your, and your, and your future and your family and this, that, and the other. And so when it comes to things like that, I'm with you. I hate to see anybody ever get fired. Um, but, uh, you write a piece like that, you need to understand you're already going to get blowback and pushback and whatever you're writing, you better be able to prove it and it better be right. And it wasn't. And, uh, and Georgia immediately from day one came out and they, they put the pedal to the metal. I, I think that somebody around there probably got some pressure or there was going to be something else coming down the road and, uh, they made the move. So he's going to get another job. Of course, he's been doing this a long time. He'll get hired somewhere and, and hats off to him, but let's just not make that mistake again. Um, if you are, uh, you know, all right. Uh, it's one forty-five. when we return, we will let JC fill us in on, uh, some seemingly pretty good news uh, for the cookout next weekend for Gamecock football and, uh, on the recruiting front. And it just goes to show you that you just never know. Hang tight. We're teed up by Traveling Country Club, the coolest club in the Carolinas. We'll be right back. Hey, Gamecock fans. It's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox. You heard Evan Stone Gamecock fans 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks.
here's the uh, here's the it's still going to happen. But I was actually a little bit surprised that at uh, like one oh one on the dot, JC didn't just zero out his screen on us. <laughs> it was interesting that the the internet has held up. You know, it makes me think that there's some sort of a time limit on uh, on the People's Republic uh, internet up there. Nah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Time. <laughs> just, just, uh, comrade J.B. Pritzker, you know, sits in Springfield <laughs> and pushes a button. No, I, I actually, I actually intentionally clicked off yesterday because I had a sandwich. I was hungry. Well, uh-huh. you do. I know. We we know that you. Well, we didn't know you had a sandwich, but we know you intentionally did. You don't unintentionally. I told you, I had Jersey Mike. Do it every day. I told you guys. Yeah. And hey, to your credit, it was after one o'clock when you plopped out yesterday. Well, that's. I had, to, I had to punch out. <laughs> I'm going to throw him off one day, Phil. I'm going to break I, I, right I, I do it every every now and then because you guys mentioned it, and it's funny. No, of course, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's like the Irish goodbye. I do it in honor of my friend Skipper, who's the king of the Irish goodbye. Indeed. Still to this day, this guy's 45 years old. Where's Skipper? Oh, he left. Yeah, what? He went home. <laughs> he even texted him. You don't even hear from him. You know, the next day, oh, man, I had to bug out. Why? Didn't we lock you in a dumpster? I got out. Oh, I got you're, out. You're, I got out. I got out. Cheese. Oh, we did go into, like, you know. Soccer, you know, bonus time there yesterday for about five minutes or so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's okay. Which was fun. I mean, we started a little late. Yeah. Lance way, is a bit is... Go ahead. No, I was just going to, real quick, I was going to say if you, if neither one of you mind, um, I have to do this today because of, uh, of what's on my schedule. So when I get off the air, I'm actually going to be, um, attempting to cut the grass. Uh, if you don't see me tomorrow at 11 a.m., I'm dead, just so you know. No, seriously. I feel you. I'm surprised. It's 110 degrees outside. I'm dead. Uh, yeah, it's been, I'll be honest, guys. It's been hot here, too, for the, the month. It's, it, it's, it's like not comfortable at all during the middle of the day. The evenings are still relatively pleasant. but uh, It's freaking hot. Let's just put it that well, way. I, I, so, we so we're nailing that. Yesterday. Oh, I was just going to say, we were remiss yesterday in missing Mike Morgan's birthday. So happy birthday, Mike Morgan. Belated. Happy birthday, Mike. Happy All right. Birthday. Yeah, take another Don't vacation, Mike. He yeah, only takes one every two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, he's got a condo in West Palm Beach. I mean, that, that's his place. I, mean, I, know. He's, he's, I love he's, you, he's Mike. Hey, Mike. He's at home. Hey. Uh, but no, happy birthday to Mike! And it's funny because not people hello Mike Morgan trivia. Mike likes hot dogs. Like yes, it's he does. One of his favorite uh, meals. Hot dog guy. And uh, it was National nice. Hot Dog Day yesterday. I know we didn't mention that. Oh, Can you believe that? I it's well, that's my fault too because I'm usually on top of the calendar and I screwed it up. I have this awesome AI cartoon generator that I mess around with sometimes, and you guys have seen at least one of the pictures when I ask it mm-hmm. to do something. Uh, but I tried to get like Mike Morgan as a hot dog. <laughs> it, it, it never understood that. I don't. I, don't, I think it's. I think it's a like a like an English like a British program, so yeah. they don't understand things like hot dog. Maybe if I said bratwurst or, or uh, something <laughs> like that. So, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Lance is not feeling good about recruiting. <laughs> Lance, it's not as bad as you're making it out to be. Yeah. All right, man. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right, buddy. 
I right. promise you. Off the ledge. <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but the large majority of what you're saying there, it's not out. Yeah, it's not that. We're good. They're all right. It's all good. Um, it's been rough lately, I know. And I mentioned yesterday, it's kind of like a roller coaster. Um, and I think what do roller coasters do? They go down and they go up. I actually hate them when they go up real high, by the way. When you go that first hill, then that up that next gigantic hill. Anyway, that's beside the point. But, uh, all right, so Jalua Solomon, for example, it was a bad thing on Tuesday when he wasn't going to visit for the cookout, right? Going to go to Auburn where his brother goes, blah, blah, blah. Well, the staff, you know, this staff just doesn't sit around and do nothing. Oh, well, shoot. Not gonna, he didn't want to come to the cookout. That's fine. There's more hot dogs for us. Come on, Mike. Let's go get a hot dog. All right, that's great. Anyway, anyway, so uh, point is, uh, he is coming got to- with him. Got, got with my right as of right now. Yeah, it's been reported. I put something kind of vague up on it on the board yesterday because I was like, "This is going back and forth so much. You really maybe you don't want to put the whole thing out." And then Chad Simmons from On Three reported, you know, always visiting and 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 the and that Carolina was in good shape. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I kind of corrected mine and said, oh, yeah, he's coming in. He and his mom are coming in Thursday night. They're going to be there all day Friday. Uh, they're going to meet with him about everything, you know, and lay it out, take a big shot, and they, they're back to feeling good. Daniel Hill was never going – it was never, oh, my God, we got to get him to the cookout. They felt good about him, like, after a period of eh, Alabama, eh, I don't know, like for the last two weeks, they felt really good about getting him. And they continue to do so. Uh, Dylan Stewart's never wavered. It's never been a wavering situation with him. Um, in fact, on Bill King today, an Ohio State fan that lives in Myrtle Beach, is a great guy because he, he bought his uh, son a Carolina Rise visor. And I appreciate that, Mr. Buckeye. Tom's his name. Uh, but he's like, I can't believe Ryan Day. See, other fan bases also blame everything on head coaches they're iffy about. Ryan's lost twice in a row to Michigan, and it's unacceptable. I can't believe Ryan Day's in a battle for this kid with Gamecocks. Beamer just must be a miracle worker. And that's arrogant, and I know. But I think his point was more about Day than not. And I said, no, I think South Carolina's not only in it. I think they're getting it. And that my information there has not changed. He's coming to the cookout now. For some reason, he cancels the cookout and quits taking the coaching staff's calls. Yeah, maybe he's going to. Maybe you can just pencil him in for the Buckeyes. But that's not happened. Uh, and then Jonathan Paylor is interesting. And and you know, notice I did not mention NIL with those other three. Um, although to different levels, it is a factor with those. But uh, it's not a back and forth bidding kind of thing right now. Jonathan Paylor, NC State, uh, and I said this yesterday, NC State, uh, of all the schools in North Carolina, they're aggressive with the NIL stuff. And if you notice, they also, like South Carolina, have two collectives, uh, and they join forces to have a pretty pretty badass concert uh, up there. So I don't remember who it was. Who it was. I'm just assuming it was badass. Scotty McCreary. Oh, Scotty McCreary. I've, I saw him open for Kenny Chesney and Tim McGraw. Uh Oh, 2012 at Bank of America Stadium, where we'll all be here in a couple of weeks. So, you know, but uh, I just, uh, you know, I don't know. Craig said, I think we all thought it was going to be a top eight to 10 class, and now it isn't. 
Uh, I'll counter by saying the rankings are probably the least relevant part of recruiting <laughs> uh, as far as especially team rankings because there's not a lot of difference between – I mean, if you're looking for something to judge it on, I always think for South Carolina, being in the upper half of the SEC, which is now top eight, not top seven, that's a great thing to shoot toward every year. Uh, and as we all know, uh, in the league, the teams that recruit top one or top two, yeah, they tend to win the championships. But, but one and two is a lot different than eight or nine. Eight or nine to like 20 is virtually the same. And, and I think the results on the field have played out that way through the years. Um, so that's it. Clint says Solomon should be at 94-95. The South Carolina staff thinks he's three and done to the league. I'll say that right now. Is Paler a done deal to the pack? Then no. Who no, say, who is saying that? Where is that coming from? That's not NC State's just making Jesus. a push. It, yeah. And hey, could they come back and get him? Everybody, breathe. <sighs> yeah. I mean, could they come back <sighs> get and off get Facebook? Him? Yeah. Get off Twitter. Yeah, social I mean, media is boards. not doing you well. Guys, it's not good for your anxiety. Calm down. <laughs> and and, and you know, like I said yesterday, unbelievable. Could South Carolina go 0 for 4 with these guys? I'm not going to blow sunshine up your patoot, Lieutenant. Yes, it's a it's a possibility. Could they sweep and get all four guys? Absolutely. Most of the time when the Gamecocks have been in this situation, uh, they usually like split or go three for four. Careful. You know, it's never everybody. There's one that always like gets away. Look, man, now, I'm in a seat sort of spot right now. I'm yeah, I mean, so right if now. you. <laughs> If I'm not you, picking on you, dude. I'm just talking no. about in general. I see people losing their minds over this stuff every day. I, I trust it's me. They're, it's because it's July 20th. Okay. It's just, yeah. what it's I keep it's July 20th. They're going to be okay. It's, it's, they're going to be fine. There's nothing to do but watch I press conferences. You, they're going to be around, okay. You know. And, and, look, I have to understand y- y'all's perspective, too, as fans. Everybody but follow Lance. Go drink it. <laughs> what I don't take into account sometimes is y'all's interaction <laughs> with opposing fans who also are passionate about recruiting, who tell you things like, y'all are losing all your recruits. Y'all ain't never going to be like us because we're 11th and y'all are 17th. You know that You know that six the six spots there? I could it, probably go through every class like and a half point player. to in, inherent bias uh, by at least one set of rankers on their individual players where, you know, oh, they're going to Florida, they're a 92. They're going to South Carolina, they're 88. That's not a common thing, but it does happen in our business still, because some people honestly don't know what they're looking at. But uh, so I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, I get it. And I get that you guys are, because there's nothing else going on. I get that there's uh, you hang on everything and, 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 and everybody wants the same thing. They want Carolina to have a, a really good class because you start stacking good class on top of good class on top of good class. That means you have a good roster. That means you win. Usually. Um, but I, I'll say this, you know, don't discount what you already have committed. Uh, and like I said yesterday, if Michael Smith, Wendell Gregory, Josiah Thompson, and Camp Pringle were all deciding here in the next week, everybody would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah look at us. Uh, so I, don't, I understand that, and I get it. But, um, I, I, you know, I think that uh, that Clint says his Paler 50-50, probably. Uh, maybe 51-49 Gamecocks at last check. I, I, I think, I think, according to my contacts, are just kind of a little frustrated with it because they've led for him for so long, and now here comes here comes state with just 
cold, hard NIL funds. And so it's kind of annoying. I, I thought you were in, but, you know, you do the, the, the stronger, longer theory and all that. The Gamecocks should get him. Uh, Solomon's not at the Baylor School with Kimberly. He's at Schley County. Schley. Schley. I will schley you with my my sword. <sighs> it's schley. I'll tell you, this is about Schley County, though. I think it's Schley County. Some damn good football players that come out of Schley County. If I see Schley County on a player, first of all, I think he's probably going to four. Second, that dude's probably going to be able to knock you in the next two, three, four, five. I love you guys. I okay. hope we all survive this. We will. Well, we are. You know, don't. I don't. Let's be, Uh-oh. Be Mike must have been watching. He's calling me. That can't be good. <laughs> I just want to say for the record, I don't like hot dogs. <laughs> Bull crap. <laughs> Sorry, Mikey. That's right. That's a lie. Uh, if you'd worked for the AJC, they'd have let you go, Mike. Thanks to yes, Chris Bill for joining yes, us you today. You do like hot dogs. Appreciate you being here for our coverage of SEC Media Days. We'll recap more of that tomorrow. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. I can assure you. If you, you look at the schedule, you'll understand that September 2nd. We can all do that collectively together. One more day in the work week if I don't die on the grass today. For JC right, and Phil, I'm JB. Thanks for hanging with us until 2 o'clock this afternoon. Can't wait to see you tomorrow on Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndoe Co.